Hi and welcome to the Travel Hero Podcast by ITB. Are you ready to reveal some superpowers of the great minds of the tourism industry? Here's your host, Nico Gutia. Today's guest, the one and only Christoph Weigler. Nice to have you here. How are you? Very good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. So, we want to talk about future ground mobility. Is this a topic for you in general or just in the business part of your life? I mean, I think mobility is really important for everyone, right? And that's also something that really drew me to, to the job I have today. I was always really uh, amazed by how mobility and tech come together in the last couple of years to change how people get around. Uh, and so I think like everyone, getting around the cities or traveling in general is a big part of my life. So uh, professionally and in my private life, it's pretty important. You are the man who said uh, the best thing that can happen is that no one needs to have a car. So I'm not sure when I said that, but probably uh, in the essence, I would agree with that. That um, I think the way mobility in cities today is organized uh, is not really smart. Right? If you look look into the streets and just coming here to ETB today, it's like crazy traffic jams, so many cars on the street. So I think if, if you would design a city from scratch again, you would not design it with cars being the major kind of vehicle for transportation with just one person using it and those cars being used only 5% of the time, the rest of the time just being parked on the street. So I think clearly to me, we need to find smarter ways uh, to get around cities with public transport playing a big role, but also with new mobility offerings, which are enabled by technology to complement that. So definitely would agree that we need to especially in Germany, move away from owning the car to using mobility as a service. So for those people who never heard your name, you are the German boss of Uber, right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> Tell me, what was your way to this point in your career? So I started out um, working in consulting, like a lot of people who study business and don't really know what to do. I, I ended <laughs> up in, uh, in consulting, uh, did that for like nine years. And very much focused on mobility there in the beginning more on kind of traditional automotive automakers airlines etc how did you perform i mean not bad enough to be fired <laughs> uh, i'm not i'm not sure uh, how, how good i perform probably other people are more qualified to answer that but they aren't here um but i think so for me it was I always try to to get around even in that job so i spent two years in china and i was exposed to how just amazingly that country is growing uh, then towards the end of my kind of consulting tenure I spent a year in Silicon Valley uh, in, in San Francisco in Palo Alto uh, and there I was exposed to things like Uber and all these new mobility offerings so for me it was really uh, a chance to bring together my passion for mobility with my kind of newfound passion for technology um, and that's kind of how I ended up being interested in, in Uber they look for someone uh, in, uh, to run their business in Germany and kind of that's how, how that happened What was your biggest failure And why was it the most important? I mean, I think when I when I joined Uber, um, I probably underestimated the challenge that I was taking on, uh, especially in Germany. Uh, I think we really didn't do a great job of, of starting here. It was uh, hard times, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's mostly self-inflicted, I would say. Uh, we, we tried to copy-paste a model that worked well in the US to, to Germany. And it's just very different regulatory framework here. The culture is very different. The, the way people move around the city is also very different. So... I think for me, that was probably the biggest challenge is realizing that we really need a complete reset of the strategy. Um, and that was a big struggle, to be honest. Uh, also for me personally, just getting my head around what the right strategy would be. 
But uh, that's also something I take great pride in that we really made this turnaround as a company in general, but also in, in, in Germany, really tailoring our products more to the local market. Um, and now working only with professional drivers, for example, not with private drivers anymore, and being a much better partner also to cities um, with electric cars that we have, with electric bikes that we you have, have in Berlin bikes. now. Exactly. So we really want to change mobility for the better, not just with cars. And I think that's the challenge I faced and what I'm really proud of, of where we are today as a company. Germany is uh, Germany likes driving bikes. So was it an important step in the cities to use bikes too? Yeah, for sure. So I, I agree. First of all, I mean, if you compare it to the US, people take bikes way more in, in, <laughs> in Europe, um, especially in Germany, the Netherlands, a few of these markets. And for us, it's, the, the vision is really we want to be a platform that provides mobility in all shapes and sizes and in the way that's best for users, that's best for the city, but also for drivers if, if, they, if, if they are part of that specific vehicle. Uh, and I think in the future, we'll offer a broad array of mobility offerings. So today, if you look at Germany, we have classical taxis. We have professional cars, like, you know, UberX, kind of our uh, main product. We have Uber Green, which are electric cars. We have Jump now with electric bikes. Uh, so there's already quite a nice portfolio. And I think in some markets, we have already public transport as part of it. We we play around with car sharing, the e-scooters that are a big thing now being talked about. So I think it, it's in Germany especially, but also in other markets, it will be a broad mix of mobility offerings. And the better that offering is, the more attractive it is for people to actually let go of their car, use it less or even sell it. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to achieve. The car industry hates you? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say so. And uh, I personally, I mean, I used to work a lot with car manufacturers and rightfully so. I think they take great pride in the products they're building. And uh, I'm not as gloomy as a lot of people are on the German car industry. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty certain that they'll uh, be successful for the years to come. Um, and I actually think in this whole mobility landscape, it will be much more about partnerships in the future. So we have a partnership, for example, with, uh, with Daimler in autonomous cars where um, they will put their autonomous cars on our platform oh. and we'll work together. Congratulations um, to that. Thanks. Yeah, we're really proud of, of that and especially also just working with a German brand that has this amazing technology. Um, and I think in general, it will be so complicated if you look at uh, mobility and tourism in general that you'll need to have partnerships to make it happen, right? You, you cannot do it alone. Um, and I, I think there's some cha change of mindset on our end. We are way more open to partnerships than we were years ago. And also automotive companies, airlines, all these other players in the mobility ecosystem, they're also way more open to partnerships than they were before. Do you take a look in other countries? Is it interesting for you how they go forward or do you just uh, focus on Germany? Uh, for sure, we look at other markets. And um, I mean, us being a tech company, we often, we obviously try to learn from, from what we see in, in the data and user behaviors and so on, the way products are being adopted from other markets. And other markets are way more advanced, for example. If you look at pooling, oh, yeah. which is a big thing, like in San Francisco, more than half of our trips are actually pool trips. So it's not one person getting a car, but it's actually multiple person, a person's sharing a ride. So that's something which is actually not allowed in Germany. And so we have to look to other markets to, to learn from that. But also mobility is very specific to a city. So even in Germany, like the way people get around in Munich is very different from Berlin or Hamburg or other cities. So You can learn from other cities, but you always have to tailor-make it and adapt it to, to the local environment. Do you have a car yet? I actually sold my car when I started at Uber, so uh, <laughs> I don't have a car. 
and uh, so so I have two kids. My 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 youngest uh, kid, uh, my son, is actually four months old, and now. With all the snow that was in Munich, my wife gave me a hard time saying, okay, getting the kids to <laughs> kindergarten uh, in the snow without a car, it's actually quite quite tough. So I'm contemplating uh, going back, but for now, um, I I'm not using a car. And for me, it was really also a way to really embrace that lifestyle and test out more mobility uh, options. And for, for me, for example, since I don't have a car anymore, I use public transport way more. I use competitors or other offerings like car sharing, drive now, uh, Coupe, Emmy, all these e-scooters here in Berlin. I lose all of them way more since I don't have a car. Because if you have a car, you're kind of bound to use it all the time. So what will be the future ground mobility for your kids when they are 18? What do you think? What will it look like? Hopefully I don't have to drive them around like my parents <laughs> did all the time. So hopefully there's a smarter way to, to do it. Um, I mean, I'm quite certain they won't uh, get a driver's license. Um, uh, so my daughter's three, my son is kind of four months old. So it will be 15, 16 years until they have a driver's could could get their driver's license. I'm sure... Autonomous cars will be pretty uh, prevalent by then. I'm with you. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, so, I, I would expect them to not get around with their own car. Uh, will maybe save me a bit of money as well and uh, also concerns. <laughs> it's um, not a personal wish. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think it will be quite different, but it's very tough to look ahead that far. You know, if you look at how mobility changed in the last couple of years, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as predicting anything uh, 20 years down the road. Okay, let's go, Freddy Krueger. What do you think would be the worst in 20 years? What could be the worst thing that happened to future ground mobility? I haven't really thought about that. I think, in general, I don't see a way it could get any worse in terms <laughs> of how mobility is kind of done today with the, with the private car being the cornerstone of mobility in mm. Germany. Um, there's very few markets where, or very few countries where people use their car as much as in Germany. Like Part of the mobility mix is very high in Germany. I think the, the doomsday scenario maybe for Germany is if we don't uh, embrace the options that these new mobility uh, offerings can bring to the table. And I mentioned earlier that other markets are a bit more progressive in the way they think about it. And in Germany, the regulation, um, in our view, is is, uh, is not as modern as it should be compared with other markets. So I guess the what I would encourage everyone is to try to embrace it a bit more and work towards a more uh, modern uh, uh, kind of legislation in the field. But I'm quite convinced that we'll get there. So um, I don't think a negative scenario is, is, is quite realistic in mobility. <laughs> uh, there's other areas where I'm more concerned, but that's not <laughs> my expertise. So I'll refrain from commenting too much. I hope we lose the old-fashioned style with every day more. Um, a quote from you is, do it right from the start. Mm -hmm. After uh, some years at Uber, do you think it worked out? Uh, did you start right from the start? I mean, for me, it was a bit easier, I think, than people that came before me because... For me, it was very clear that the way we did it in the past at Uber, especially in Germany, wouldn't be successful. Right? So uh, <laughs> the data was there. It doesn't work. So um, it was quite easy for me to pivot uh, and really embrace a strategy, which is kind of like also one of our cultural uh, values, do the right thing, period. Um, and I think we do a pretty good job. Obviously, we make mistakes and we try to learn from that, as everybody does. Um, but I can clearly see our team, myself, also the top management in San Francisco, really challenging ourselves to do what's right, not only for us in a short-term business uh, kind of perspective, but also will it be better for cities? Will riders, will drivers be happy? And I think we've grown up a lot as a company in that regard. Let's have a look at the whole world. What do you think? What should cities and rural uh, areas have to do to make a really good way that people can reach every point in the world they like to? 
you bring up a very important topic, which is kind of rural areas. And if you talk to, to people or politicians, um, the issue of mobility in cities, it's important, but in rural areas, it's really critical. Right? It's probably one of the major pain points of people living in rural areas that there's maybe the school bus and there's not, not much else. Um, so I think especially in rural areas, these shared mobility offerings can have a huge impact. Uh, and we see that, for example, uh, I just talked to my colleague who's, who's managing the Croatian uh, business uh, on the Croatian coast, coast, which is a very rural area. In the summer, there's lots of tourism, but in the winter, there's actually very few, uh, very low, densely populated area. And Uber has been very successful there. And the, the, the rural areas really embrace it. And we see a clear trend where regulation enables these businesses to, to, to work with, let's say, fairly light regulation. So it's quite easy to become a driver. Then it works in rural areas. If it's very hard, like in Germany, for example, it's it's a big deterrent for people who just maybe want to drive a few hours in, in rural areas to do it. Um, so I think that's something where we have to, uh, cities and rural areas uh, both have to work on to enable that. Uh, but then there's huge potential because there's lots of people who, I don't know, like who have a bit of time at hand and if there's a local disco or club and there's no way to get around, they could maybe spend five hours a week make some money on the side and drive people from A to B, kids from A to B. That works in other countries. Why, why shouldn't it work here? So especially for rural areas, I think we have to embrace these technologies way more. Why do you think are people more open-minded to the idea of sharing cars than like 10 years before? Or have they always been? It's a good question. And um, I mean, there's always that example with, with people challenging uh, us or other players if people actually want to share their rights. And then we... You point to buses or trains or <laughs> planes where you're quite used to sitting next to someone who, who you don't know, and it's not weird at all. Um, and But there's a broader uh, shift of, uh, of mentalities, which is that people don't want to own a car anymore in terms of the status symbol. Right? That's clear. Um, it's All the studies show it, and they would just want to consume mobility. So that's the big kind of... Um, big shift that I'm seeing, the seismic shift in terms of the culture and the perspective. What we see is that... Um, very fast people get used to it. Like San Francisco, at the beginning, we were quite curious if there's like social barriers to it, if it's weird for people to do it. Um, it turned out we have to do our job as a tech company um, to to use tech to make it work. For example, um, if you're in the car and you're sharing with someone else, we kind of indicate to the driver how long he should wait for that next person, right? Because otherwise, maybe I'm sitting here, I want to get to the airport, I, I, I tell the driver, hey, can we please go? But he wants to make sure the other person also gets in. So, We can use our tech to set boundaries and structure the process. That helps a lot. Um, but in SF or in Paris, where I was a few weeks ago and used pooling, it's totally normal. Right? You, you read a book, someone else comes in, he plays on his iPhone, another person comes in, tries to do small talk. It's totally normal after a few months. Um, and I don't think there's a big um, cultural shift that needs to happen. How it was 10 years ago, I don't know. But I think like, if it's easy to use and it's more affordable, I think people are very open to, to sharing a ride. Usually people are always afraid at the beginning of something new. And I guess there were always, for example, maybe women who said, I don't know, who is this guy or this girl who's driving me? How did Uber came against this part? Yes, I mean, safety is very important for us. Actually, one of our top priorities as a company. Uh, and usually I think the feedback I'm getting is that the um, these new services, especially Uber, are considered as a way to make it way safer to get around, right? So a lot of people that use Uber the first time, actually people that fly to South Africa or, or kind of markets like that where safety maybe is also a different concern compared to to, uh, to Germany. And if you just look at us, for example, you book a ride, 
Uh, you don't have to pay with cash. It's all cashless. You know the name of the driver. You know the driver is vetted by us. You know his rating. You see his license plate. So that's all clear. We just launched additional safety features uh, this year, actually quite new, where you can call um, 911 or kind of emergency service out of your car. Um, it will transmit your location automatically to the kind of to the operator. So wow. you don't have to describe where it is. Um, you can share your ride with, with someone else, which I do, for example, with my wife a lot. I'll, I'll share her like when I, she knows when where, where nice I'm at of you. and, and where I'm, where, when I'm coming home. Uh, so I think there's lots of features that we actually implemented that make it way, way safer. Um, and if you just think about the experience, you're in Johannesburg, you get out of the airport and somebody talks to you, hey, you want a taxi? That's not so much a safe experience compared to using Uber and you have all that transparency. In Nice is automatically the chance that you can use a cheap Uber when you use public transport. That's a nice way. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, example for how we try to partner with cities and kind of public transport authorities uh, in a better way. So the example that you mentioned, so how does it work? If you have a ticket for the bus, um, then you can use a uh, subsidized, cheaper Uber to, to get to the bus station or to drive to your home. Right? So that's a typical problem. Why don't people use public transport more? Uh, it's because the first or the last mile is the challenge for them. And if you cannot bridge the first or the last mile, you actually end up taking your own car. So it's for us, it's like a win-win situation. We get more people to use Uber, but also public transport can fill up their buses way better because it's more attractive as an end-to-end journey. And we, we are working also with Germ in Germany with public transport authorities. Uh, I've mentioned it before with B4G, the Berlin Public Transport Authority. We were in conversations We actually announced that we will partner with our jump bikes uh, with these guys here in Berlin. Um, so everything's coming closer together. I think public transport authorities recognize that we can bring something to the table in terms of uplifting their product experience. And we also feel uh, integrating us with other players makes it more attractive for the user in the end. So it's you can expect more of that to come. For the next generation of people in the business uh, of travel, what do they need to be successful? great question and i'm not sure if i if i can give more uh, kind of uh, inspirational answers than than others uh but I, what i would say is especially in the world of mobility and tourism it's really important to to be passionate about what you're doing i think it's a field where in my experience people are even more passionate than in other areas and i've met with a few friends uh that work at other companies here and i think the way we in this industry talk about it it's there's a lot of people do it out of deep conviction and because they feel they can change the world for the better to a certain extent uh so i think that's something which i would really embrace people to keep your passion if you feel like you have a job where you're not passionate about it it's probably a good signal that you uh should should look at other opportunities and there's so many great jobs in this business so uh we're also looking for for talent in berlin right now so check out the uber careers website if you if you if that's something you're interested in um, but yeah, I think just keeping a passion is something that I feel for myself is really important and it goes a long way in terms of building a career. Who is your personal superhero? I, I mean, honestly, I don't really have like a superhero. Uh, I think for now, my, my daughter is really some, someone I really admire in terms of how she's <laughs> developing in her age uh, with three years old. Obviously not a classical hero, but uh, I just came from a vacation last year, where uh, last week where I spent uh, a week with her and... Uh, Uh, I think that's something really gives me a lot of motivation and uh, that's probably the hero I would go for uh, as of now. And last question, who needs to hear this talk of you? My daughter. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she's not interested. She's actually listening to uh, to Papa Woods right now all the time, which is a cartoon uh, for kids. So young parents probably know what I'm talking about. But uh, no, I mean, I think it's maybe the Uber story in Germany is quite um, quite interesting because it shows how young startups can mature uh, and you can learn from mistakes. And I think a lot of founders or people that start their own business in the industry can take away quite a bit of that. Uh, and I think it's a kind of a teachable moment for, for, for others as well. So that's probably a segment that I would encourage to, to listen to, to that and maybe look into the development of our company in more general terms. Christoph, thank you very much for your time. And like we say in Germany, tschüss. Yeah, thanks a lot. Really appreciate the opportunity and yeah, bis bald. Thanks for listening to the Travel Hero Podcast by ITB. If you like what you heard, make sure to check in soon again and subscribe to our channel to know when it's time to reveal another Travel Hero story. Oh, 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 oh